All righty, welcome to our final episode of Old Emerald and Young James Talk Politics before the election, uh, the May 21 election, of course. We won't be recording on election day. I'll be out on uh, the PCYC in Penrith opposite uh, opposite our place, handing out polling booths, uh, handing out polling out of votes, sorry. Um, I'm here with Everald Compton, ready to rip in. How are you? I'm ready to rip in. And James, I think today we should talk about individual seats where things are going to happen. Now, I, I've been studying the seats that the independents and Greens might win. I'd like to outline them so our listeners can actually watch these seats on election night. And then as you say, by state, and then you can talk about seats that you think will uh, you know, will change and for reasons other than independence and greens, and they're ones that are that are worth, uh, you know, that are worth watching as well. So, how about I start off? And I'll start in my home state of Queensland. We'll work our way all the way to to Western Australia. Now, I'm only going to talk about the independents. I think can win. Now, there's lots of other ones that have got a chance, and maybe they, yeah. but the ones I think will win. Now, the first one is Susie Holt. Uh, who uh, is running for groom in Queensland, which is Toowoomba, which is a seat held by the LNP and its predecessors for 120 years, by margins rarely less than 20%. And she'll win this, it'll cause a revolution. Now, one of the two reasons why she's winning, she is an excellent independent, an absolute independent, not tied up with any of the parties at all, and, and former social worker with a great social conscience, but... And I want you to comment on this. The LNP in Toowoomba is split in two, which is one of the reasons why here the Christian right are trying to move the party into the national party, uh, into the nationals camp. It's a liberal seat. And the Nats are trying to pinch the seat off the liberals. And Barnaby's right in the middle of all that. And so the party is split. And so at a couple of meetings I've been to with Susie Holt, there have been liberals there saying, well, we got no place left in the Liberal Party. Now, I think this forecast a split in the Liberal Party after the election between the Supreme Right and the Moderates. What do you think? I mean, that's um, and we'll get to this as we sort of canvass our way down through the country, especially in um those wealthier urban areas in New South Wales. But um, the party being dragged to the right by the Nationals is, I suppose, what's paving the way for a lot of these independent candidates to be able to storm a path up the middle and. Um, vacuum up a lot of disillusioned liberals so if, yeah. if it's happening even in queensland um I, you know, that's, that's and I believe it'll get repeated in all sorts of places actually now coming down in new south wales i'll go through the bush first and then head to the big smoke in sydney where you are there's a real chance that kate hook another independent running in the seat of calair which is based around orange and bathurst and hundreds of miles around uh, around that. She's an environmental scientist, a very impressive person. I appeared on a webinar with her. Very, now, this is a seat that for four elections in the early part of this century was held by a wonderful independent called Peter Andron, who stirred the major parties up. And, and so there's a big independent following there left by Peter. And when he died, the Nationals got the seat by default. Now, Kate Holt, I believe, is going to take that seat from the Nationals on the, the grounds that the Nationals have never done much for the bush for a long, 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 long time. But she is saying that climate change uh, is, is vital. And that rings with people who alternatively suffer droughts and floods out in that area. And I think that we're going to find a climate change person winning the bush. Do you think that's odd? Um, 
I mean, the same deal. It very much could happen. It, this is looking to be one of those tipping point elections um, where people are really starting to hopefully realise certain local members do nothing for them and nothing for their seat. Um, I'll move us a little bit inland and talk about Lindsay, where I live in Penrith. And yeah. the, the criticism of doing nothing is another criticism that's been lobbied at the Liberal member for Lindsay, Melissa McIntosh. Uh, Melissa McIntosh is one of Scott Morrison's faction in the Liberal Party. And her seat was going to, she was going to be rolled in pre-selection by someone from the hard right. Um, but as part of Dom Perrottet and Scott Morrison's little deal for pre-selections, McIntosh was able to keep her seat. And Penrith, um, a lot of people in the city still see Penrith as a relatively poor area, an area where there's a lot of unemployed people and a lack of jobs and a lack of job security. And it is very much still a, an area that governments leave behind in their policy making. But there's also a new rich area of Penrith down by the Nepean River and in areas like Glenmore Park, recent pop-up suburbs, where the Liberal vote's a lot stronger and a lot higher, which is how they've been able to take the seat. Now, the Labor candidate here is another wonderful local candidate, fiery of 40 years, Trevor Ross. Um, and if I've said it before on this show, but Lindsay is another seat where, much like um, Calair and Bush, it really needs a local candidate who can speak to local issues and really stand up for the majority of people in this seat who are left behind um, by the suits and the, the big wigs in Canberra. So that's another seat to watch on election night. Yeah, we need to uh, watch that. And you're talking about we need to watch, uh, you know, that 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 seat and and uh, Lindy and talking about the changing demographics. I think the parties have lost the plot with looking at where people move and what they do and what they aspire to. Coming down, Helen Haynes, who's the member for Indi, who succeeded Cathy McGowan, she's a wonderful independent, and I think she'll she'll win. Uh, uh, she'll we'll, we'll move on. Coming back towards Sydney, we go through uh, the seat uh, held by the you. You're, I was going to say your illustrious mate, but I know to insult you. Craig Kelly, as you know, Clive Palmer says is the future prime minister of Australia. Now he's being uh, opposed in the seat of Hughes. Uh, by two independents, and one of them is going to knock him off. They're exchanging preferences. I don't think the Liberal Party candidates have uh, got a show there. And I, I'm sure we're going to see the end of, of, Craig, uh, of Craig Kelly. Now, I don't think you will weep if we wipe out a future Prime Minister of Australia, will you? That's uh, Georgia Steele, is it not, who's the independent there looking to get up? Yeah. yeah I, um, think, I, think there's a, I think there's a big win there now. Getting into uh, into Sydney itself, uh, I, I, uh, I I'm, I'm pretty sure that Amanda uh, 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 Spender, I think her name, that is, Allegra, Allegra Spender. Allegra Spender in Wentworth, Turnbull's old seat, where Turnbull is not helping the Libs at all, unsurprisingly. Now, now I think she's got a big chance of walloping Dave Sharma, and he's getting round looking like he's done 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali. You know, I, I, I think that she's got him, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I, she, she's a real chance. This seat went independent in the by-election after Turnbull resigned. It went to Dr Karen Phelps. So there's clearly an appetite for Liberal Party revolt in this seat. Um, just a question of how much. Yeah, and, and, and then I think Ziggy Stegall will hold her seat at, uh, at uh, Warringah Abbott's old seat. They've thrown... They think the Liberals think they can win uh, that seat by ranting about uh, transgender, uh, which I think about five voters at the most would be worried about, you know, and uh, 
And, and I think she, she's done enough in her first term to, to win. You, you'll agree that Stegall time and Oates. Yeah, the, the one thing I'll, I'll say about that is a survey was commissioned by Equality Australia a couple of years ago, which found that uh, like 78% of Australians support rights for trans people. Um, it, it's, it's a losing race for the Liberals there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and now moving the Labor Party territory, I've been giving some support to the candidate Lee Ellie, that's a surname. Lee, yeah. Lee. Against um, uh, Keneally, who was parachuted into that seat by Albo in the most undemocratic way, totally destroyed a, a, a loyal Labor Party Vietnamese lawyer, female lawyer, who would have won that seat by a mile. They put uh, Keneally in. And now a friend of the one who's been deposed and the person who's the deputy mayor, I think, of the Fairfield Council out there, has loomed up again. And a lot of the media are now picking on the fact that Keneally might lose. And I will cheer if she loses because the way that was done was a gross breach of democracy, wasn't it? Provided that Labor still uh, maintains a majority government, I too will cheer if, yeah, if Di Lee, the independent, gets up in that now, state. Uh, there, there is... Uh, there is the possibility that in North Sydney, uh, that candidate Tink, I think her name is, she mm. can win because, again, that seat was held for four or five elections uh, by an independent called Ted Mack, and there's a tradition of independence there, and there's a clear movement in her favour, and I think she's a, you know, she's a real uh, possi possibility. What other seats do you think are up for a change there in, in Sydney and around New South Wales? Um. See, the, the Kylie Tink one is an interesting one because that's looking like it could be a three-pointed race. Um, the, the Labor Party's put a lot more effort into North Sydney than they have into other teal independent seats like Wentworth um, and McKellar. And it looks like it could sort of be a preference battle between Tink and the Labor candidate there for second place to see who might roll Trent Zimmerman. So he's fighting a war on two fronts there. Um, some other seats around New South Wales, that could flip. We have two seats where we're running two really good Asian-Australian candidates in New South Wales. Um, Sally Situ in Reid, who looks all set to roll the, um, as we've learned this week, very racist, Fiona Martin. Um, Fiona Martin, of course, the Liberal MP there who got Sally Situ mixed up with Tu Lee, the woman who Christina Keneally rolled for Fowler, because apparently Fiona Martin thinks all Asian-Australian women look the same, which is disgusting and shouldn't be happening in 2022, and yet it still is. Definitely in play, yeah. Yeah, and um, the other seat is another, it's it's the seat next to Craig Kelly's seat, uh, Banks, where we're running another Asian-Australian candidate, G. Soon. Um, Banks was a seat that was meant to flip at the last election. It didn't, so Labor strategists will still be feeling it's in play. Um, it's probably less in play than Reid, but it's the other sort of metro Sydney seat we think we can take. Um, Robertson up on the Central Coast, a seat held by the Liberals' Lucy Wicks. Um, the Central Coast being an area where people are, A, very concerned about climate change, B, very concerned about the massive weather events we've having, we're having, C, fed up with Scott Morrison, is a very marginal seat and another one that could change hands. Um, yeah, yeah, well, that's interesting. And also, we've got to watch the seat. I can't think of the name of it, but... Angus Taylor, the revered uh, Minister for Energy, is running. He's got a very good independent running against him. Now, all the polls are saying she hasn't got a chance. But I think there's enough angst in the community against the sheer stupidity of the way that bloke's gone about his work that I think it would be manner from heaven if she came from nowhere and did him over. You'd agree with me? 
Oh, yeah, we'd love to see that. Um, there's, there's one seat Labor's defending in New South Wales as well, that being Gilmore around the Batemans Bay area, oh, yeah. where um, former Minister for Transport Andrew Constance is running. There was a by-election there a couple of years ago and the Liberals parachuted in Warren Mundine. Uh, very unpopular, um, not wise. Got, yeah, got, got kaplunked uh, by Labor's Christy McBain. And now they're running Andrew Constance, who, um, like I think I've said it on this show before, one of the few members of the Liberal National Party nationally who seem to genuinely care about his local community during bushfires. Um, so he's, he's someone who also pull off like a, a quote-unquote genuine local member run but one would hope the anti-scott morrison said the local membership thing we're right now going over the border into victoria we can come back uh, uh you know to in the seat of nickels just over the border in victoria uh, based around shepparton and all the fruit area there got a very impressive independent running bert priestley whom i'm helping as much as i can with the twitter facebook whatever you the former National Party member of football, a bloke, is retiring, and the Liberals and the Nats have been silly enough to each put up a candidate and oppose one another, and they're running around, the Liberal bloke's running around attacking the Nat and saying, I'm better, and they're ignoring Christie, who's running all over them. And I think that, that that's a definite fall for the independents and a seat that Barnaby is going to lose, you know, in the National Party, he loses Calair too, so he's going to look a bit sick at the end of this. Uh, uh, but coming down into Melbourne, we got some interesting, uh, interesting situations, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that Zoe Daniel is going to roll uh, Tim Wilson, the bloke who ran around on Frankie Predators last time, telling an incredible number of lies about it. Uh, I think he's gone. And, and I think most of Australia will cheer. Will you have a drink if you hear that Tim Wilson's gone? I would have many. <laughs> Tim Wilson is, oh, yeah. um, like you say, a, a serpentine liar of the highest order. Um, but he, he and our, our, your friend Josh Frydenberg, those two both will be quaking in their boots. Well, now, you're right. Look, Josh Frydenberg is a friend of mine of long standing. And I'll be sad if he leaves the parliament, but the woman who's running it, Monique, isn't it? Monique Ryan, is that? Yep, yep. yep. Dr. Ryan. Now, she is incredibly well organised. My, my daughter lives in Robin, she lives in Kew, and she reckons she can't walk around any street without seeing half a dozen Monique uh, signs up. And she's well-funded by all sorts of uh, influential people in the seat of, uh, you know, of, uh, of Kewyo. She's terribly well organised in debates. She looks calm and Josh looks rattled. And if Josh wants to win this seat, he better calm down. But he looks like he's in strife. Now, she is a, probably the most formidable independent candidate running in Australia. She's like the, the men in the field in a battle and you see a great Sherman tank coming at you. That's her. And, and, and I think that she's going to... My friend Josh, I think... In, massive trouble would you agree um look i i'm a I, I don't consider myself a generally very pragmatic person but the i do not want to see frydenberg get rolled unless peter dutton gets rolled too frydenberg does get rolled and peter dutton does not get rolled then we have leader of the opposition peter dutton now i know people will say oh there, there's no appetite for 
someone as vile as Peter Dutton to run the country, it would lead the Liberals to electoral wipeout. But a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters cheered the day Donald Trump won the Republican nomination because they said, oh, no one could ever vote for someone that vile. This will lead the Republicans to electoral wipeout. And then look what happened. So I'm, I'm not willing to take the risk of Peter Dutton opposition leader. Um, so I'm as much to, in a vacuum, I'd obviously love to see the independent candidate get up over any liberal candidate. But if Frydenberg doesn't hold on and Dutton does, that's a very scary potential future. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But Dutton is an enormous survivor. I live in the next electorate to him. Every election has been said he's going to lose. And every election he hangs on. And he's got sort of a militia there that sort of back him and there's like, you know, and, and so while, while he ought to be in trouble and why he ought to lose, I, I'm not sure uh, that he is. He, he's a very cunning, uh, you know, survivor, let's put it that way. But I agree, him as alternative prime minister gives us no hope, uh, you know, whatsoever. Now, 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 now down, down in, in, in Victoria, do you see any other seats in play that you want to talk about? I think the Greens have got a big chance of winning another seat down there. Yes. We'll come back to the Greens in Brisbane a bit later. I want to talk about the Greens, but I think, yeah. is it McNamara the seat that... Uh, yeah, that, that's the seat the Greens are hopeful of taking. There's there's also word Labor could be defending some seats on outer Melbourne, seats like McEwen and Hawke, which are in like outer suburban Melbourne. The idea there is there's going to be a big anti-Dan Andrews vote, a big United Australia Party vote, which will be funneled up to the Liberals. Um, but I don't have boots on the ground in Victoria. My, my eyes and ears don't stretch that far. Yeah. So I have no idea if the good people of um, McHugh, McHugh and uh, and uh, Hawke are as anti-Dan Andrews as uh, publications like The Australian are playing up. I think that's going to be one of those things that on election night, either, uh, this is going to sound like very trite, but it's either going to hold very, very true or be a big, big fizzer. Um, and, you yeah, know, I don't know enough about Victoria. Um, it's going to be a fascinating election. Now, look, moving into South Australia, we can come back to a couple of special issues, man. Moving into South Australia, I think Rebecca Sharkey, uh, you know, there used to be the Xenophon party now for all intents and purposes and independent. Uh, uh, she doesn't get on with Xenophon now. I think she's pretty well set to hold yeah. Mayo. She's been a good uh, local uh, member. Uh, but then Joe Dyer is running in the seat of Boothby with Alba hopes he'll win. It used to be held by Nicole Flint, who resigned, you know, just before the election on the grounds that she'd been sexually harassed by the Labor Party in Parliament or, you know, whatever, discriminated against, you know, whatever. And, and, and they think, but Joe Dyer is running and she is an independent, and she is the lawyer, the civil rights lawyer, who's the one who took on Christian Porter and brought him down. She took up the case of the woman who suicided as a result of a relationship with Porter. And she took a hell of a lot of abuse in that from everywhere. She's running, and, and, and well, I hope she wins, because she was a crusader for the right thing. It it looks like in that seat, she's probably not going to be polling enough for first instance to jump the Labor candidate. So it looks like her preferences will flow through to Labor. But she's run a very important campaign on social media. Um, she has been at the forefront of calling out corruption, sexual harassment, yeah. and these, these things that we shouldn't be tolerating in our parliament these days. So she's someone who would be incredibly valuable to the parliament. Well, I I, she makes it, Chris, if you're, now you go over to Western Australia, 
and Chinese, I think it's Liz Chinese, the daughter, not Liz Chinese, uh, I can't think of her first name, but she's the daughter of Fred Cheney, who used to be a minister in the Fraser government and the sole Liberal Party minister I've ever struck in my life, who was a genuine, uh, a genuinely identified with Indigenous Australia. He, he, he made enormous efforts, Fred Cheney, to have reconciliation and uh, constitutional recognition. Well, his daughter running in Curtin, and I think she's going to win, and that would be uh, that that would be a good uh, a good thing. And then just coming back to one I missed in uh, in, in Sydney, uh, not it's in North End. Bob Catter will hold his seat uh, yeah. up in the North End. Now, by, by by my count, looking over all that, there are fourteen independents. Uh, with a good chance of, uh, of winning. Now, let's look at the Greens for a minute. Uh, uh, it might take more than a minute. Up in Brisbane, where I live, the Greens are in with a chance, a very distinctive chance in three inner city seats in, in Brisbane. There's the seat of Brisbane itself, downtown city, and all the inner city suburbs held narrowly by the Liberals. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and the Greens are running a very strong candidate there, and I think we'll finish in, in front uh, of the Labor Party candidate. And I think Brisbane, the Liberals, are going to lose Brisbane to the Greens. And out in the suburb of Ryan, which is out towards the university, uh, uh, the Greens have got a spectacular candidate running there against a very, very ordinary local member called Simmons, Simmons or Cummins or whatever he is, or he is eminently forgettable bloke anyway, but... But he, he is a, he's in big, big trouble. She is a masterful campaigner, something like Monique Ryan in, in, in Melbourne. And she's got, now, the sad thing is that Terry Butler, the member for uh, Griffith, that's Kevin Rudd's old seat on the southern end of the city, good friend of mine and a very talented person, but she's in green territory. The Greens won that seat, the equivalent seat in the last state election to give the Greens two seats in federal, the other seat is out in Ryan that they've got. So that's one of the reasons why the Greens. The Greens also got up in the Brisbane City Council election for that area. So the Greens represent that area in two other places. And climate change is now a big issue and whatever. And Terry Butler, an excellent person, is in, is in real trouble there. And, and the Greens have got a show in tomorrow. For instance, just over the border in New South Wales in the seat of Richmond, which used to be prime National Party territory, the Anthony family held it for generations. And the Green candidate there, for reasons I can't work out, has got a real chance of knocking off the seat of, of Richmond. And that would be a real turn up, uh, you know, out there. And so the Greens uh, and, and the Greens in Sydney can't be written off in number. For instance, what Albo and, and Tanya have got, a, and, well, they know, they've been, the Greens always get a sizable vote in both of those elections. Now, if all of a sudden the Green vote surge there, they'd have to start drinking a few scotches because that's, you know, that, that's really Green territory. Now, how do you see the Greens in your hometown of Sydney? How do you um, see the Greens going? Well, firstly, on just on Queensland, I'll point out that there was a big night like YouGov thing released the other day that we imported from the UK. It's called like an MRRP model. It's like a polling-based statistical model rather than just polls. So they get all the polls in 
Um, there's a bunch of statistical inputs. People a lot smarter than me fiddle around with the numbers and then they spit out seat by seat results. And based on that, they had the Greens just behind Labor in Brisbane and Ryan on primary vote by like one or two percent. So in that in both Brisbane and Ryan, which are those two liberal held seats you mentioned, it's yeah. very, very possible that if the Greens slightly overperform expectation, that they will be the, the second candidate, um, the second, you know, for the prime challenger, I guess, the Liberals in those seats. In in Sydney, um, I'm not as worried about a green attack this election just because of Albo and Tanya's personal popularity. Um, if they were sort of nobodies in those seats, no, nobodies is harsh, but if they were just sort of, you know, party, party, backbenchers um, stuffed into those seats, like in Brisbane and like in Ryan, um, I'd be a lot more worried. Um, I think McNamara and Melbourne is the one to watch, especially in terms of taking from Labor, just because that's, um, that's right next to Adam Bant's seat. So there's naturally some spillover from Adam Bant, his personal popularity in his seat that the people in the new neighbouring seat um, could go for. Um, I don't think we'll see um, the Greens getting up into yeah, WA or South Australia. You'll hold seat down there, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're the independent there. And, and look, so we've got a very, you know, fluid, but see the thing, there's all sorts of factors sort of happen, but... Right now, when people are voting here in Brisbane, we've got another flood coming in. Now, nowhere near as bad as the one a few weeks ago, but some suburbs underwater for the second time, you know, in a couple of months. And so people automatically are actually saying the word saying there's got to be something wrong with the climate. Now, we can debate over and over again whether this rain's been caused by climate change. But in people's minds, they'll be saying, well, hell, I'm washed out for the second time. Am I going to take the climate seriously? Now, that, for all intents and purposes, has got to run towards the Greens, hasn't it? Well, yeah, the, the Greens first and then later second one would imagine. Um, it's it's very crude, obviously, talking about who the beneficiaries are from the people of Brisbane being flooded out over and over again. Um, but it, it does serve as a reminder of the inadequacies well, of what this current government's done. Simply, simply happened, and same with that. Uh, uh, down in Clare with, with, with Kate Hook, they, they went through an awful drought, you know, a while back. They went through bushfires, you know. People don't don't forget that. That's part. And there's one place where there's a lot of bushfires, and that's down in that Cedar Gilmore you were talking about, where, you know, where people impact. Yeah. Now, now, just looking quickly at the Senate before we run out of time, I want to forecast that the Greens in Queensland, I've been saying that the last seat of the Senate in Queensland is between Campbell Newman and and Pauline Hanson and Clive Palmer. Well, the Greens, if the Green vote is up, and a lot of people protest in the Senate, you know, no matter how they go, if the Green vote is, is, is the highest it's ever been, the Greens could get two Senate seats in Queensland. That would shake, that would shake the place up uh, no end. I, I think that David Pocock, the independent, is going to win in the Senate in uh, in uh, ACT, you know, he's a football man who's a climate change man. Now, Pocock's an extraordinary bloke and he's got a good chance. Now, I'm hoping, although the cards are stacked against him, that Rex Patrick is going to survive in South Australia. And he's got, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, uh, the other way, in former boss, yeah. uh, Nick Xenophon, running against him. But... Uh, it, it, it's, he, he's, a, he's been a first-class senator, hasn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. We, we've been very complimentary of Senator Patrick on the show, and greatly so. I think the the Xenophon random candidacy out of nowhere in South Australia is going to be another one of those things that he either polls really well, like really, really oh, well, and it's like for no context, or he's a yeah total fizzer. Um, just ducking over to WA, um, back in the lower house, um, that's where Labor's also hopeful of picking up a bunch of seats. Um, Christian Porter's old seat of Pierce, um, seat of Swan, where Steve Irons, long, long-standing Liberal MP, is retiring and redistributions have made it more favourable to Labor. Those are the big two they're hoping to pick up. But there are a heap of other seats they're hoping to pick up too. Um, ben Morton in Tangney in Perth, um, Ken Wyatt in Hasluck, north of Perth. Um, Ken Wyatt's the Minister for Indigenous Affairs, who yeah. recently called for parliamentarians to get a big pay rise. <laughs> Not so sure about that one, Ken. Um, but yeah, so Perth, obviously, we saw Mark McGowan's massive red wave last election in the state election. And um, Albo's been out there with McGowan um, campaigning hard. The, um, the Senate in um, WA um, and the Northern Territory and Tasmania, apparently, the Senate races there are a lot less interesting <laughs> from what I've heard. Um, apparently, they normally just sort of filter out the standard ways, like in WA, Tasmania, um, and we don't really have um, like big independent candidates running like Rex Patrick and Nick Xenophon yeah. in the Senate. So, but we'll have an interesting Senate if the Greens get more power in the Senate, and Jackie Lambie uh, happens to get a mate uh, in, in Tasmania, uh, and, and, and and Rex Patrick was there. You'd have a very, you know, interesting. Uh, you'd have a very interesting uh, situation. Now, another thing, Erica Betts down in Tasmania being a Liberal Party senator for nearly 30 years, happens to be a personal friend of mine for reasons other than politics. Uh, and, and, and we meet, we've met for 30 years down in Canberra for drinking. And, and he was regulated the number three ticket on the Liberals on the ground that he'd been around too long. But the two blokes they put ahead of him are hopeless. But he, he'd been putting up signs all over Tasmania saying, vote below the line for Erica Betts now. If he gets 10,000 people to vote below the line, he could end up knocking off the Liberal candidate. So here you have the Liberal Party decimating itself for no good reason. Their best vote-getter was the best he'd known, he'd known, known for 30 years, and they go and lock him off. And so you get a lot of stupid things happening. But, I mean, America bets his way out on the right, by the way. He and I are politically pulled apart. We just happen to be friends for other reasons. And he, he regards me as that. He called me his... Everyone, he introduces me, everyone, my lefty conscience, he says to people, everyone, my lefty, you know, conscience. Anyway, uh, so there's some strange things happening in this election, James, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it, uh, as a surprise to no one, I'm hoping the bets gets rolled. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the, um, you, you're right. There are some strange things happening. Like you say, that last Senate seat in Queensland between Amanda Stoker, Pauline Benson, Clive Palmer, the Greens, um, that could go any which way. Um, you'd obviously be hoping for a Greens candidate to get up because for different reasons, Amanda Stoker, Campbell Newman, Pauline Hanson, Clive Palmer are all very out there um, for, for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, the final prediction for election night? I, I believe there'll be a minority Labor government. I think that there are a lot of people in Australia disgusted with the main parties for all sorts of reasons. They're more disgusted with Morrison than they are with Albo. 
Uh, but they'll be, you know, he doesn't have widespread popularity. I think there'll be a, an ALP minority government, and I believe that the independents will say to them, and I've, I've had a talk to quite a few of the independents, they'll say to the Labor Party, look, okay, you've got the most seats. We, we're willing to look at every bit of legislation you forecast, and, and if it goes through in reasonable form, we'll back it on the ground that that's what you ran on. But these are the issues that we want action on, like net, net zero and affordable housing and aged care and mental health and, and uh, uh, Indigenous recognition. And so they'll come to a deal and you'll have a responsible government that will achieve things because democracy will be at work because the independents who want to get a second term, they don't want to be tossed out after one term for being radical. They could achieve things. And if they have a sensible minority Labor government, it could be the greatest reforming government in history because of that. And that's what I believe will happen. Rightio. Um, I'm, I'm forecasting, uh, again, as a surprise to no one, a majority Labor government. Um, I think we will take uh, Reid, Robertson, Boothby, um, Bass and Braddon in Tasmania, um, two, the two seats in WA, pick up Longman in Queensland, that's enough to get us over the line. Um, there will be a strong independent vote. And I do hope that um, these teal independents, when they do get into parliament, and I expect they will honour their word, um, that they push the Labor Party, even in a Labor majority situation, to be better on climate, hold them accountable for their faults on climate policy. And I'm expecting um, we might see the Greens with the balance of power in the Senate. And same thing as you said, with, with the Greens having the balance of power in the Senate, um, Labor will need to be very forward with their climate policy in any event and may be dragged to the left by the Greens in the Senate um, on climate, which is something I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, you know, that, that's, we're in for an interesting uh, week. I'm pe appearing for some independent candidates on various webinars and things, uh, uh, you know, during the week. It'll be an interesting uh, week and one hopes that democracy works well in Australia. And we'll end up getting a responsible government that'll do things. We just let's finish up with our rascal and you know and good person. We've got to say that this this uh, woman uh, I don't know say in a derogatory way. I choose not to remember her name. That's running about transgender in Ziggy Seagull's seat. I mean, you've got to put her down as one of the biggest loonies that run. But what worries me is that I believe Morrison put her in. With the, the, he was one of those final picks, you know, him and Perrottet. Yeah. They put her in with instructions to raise the transgender issue, uh, which she's done. But I reckon she was put in for that purpose. And I think that's rotten. What do you think? Yeah, it's just to bring those American cultural narratives to Australia. And I mean, she got a big, uh, big profile at the Sydney Morning Herald. You know, she, she's been probably the most visible candidate who's going to get walloped in the election. Um, she's been in the news every week and she got a big, sad, pitiful profile in the City Morning Herald today about how she's just speaking up for her right to, to free speech. And it was just dreadful. And that there's a point at which the media class has to look at themselves and say, the problem is no longer Catherine Deans. The problem is us continuously giving a microphone and a megaphone to her views. Um, my bad person of the week is Christina Keneally. Um, this week, Morrison floated this idea 
of claiming costs back from refugees who are held in immigration detention, which is one of the most sickeningly cruel things I can think of. And Christina Keneally went along with it, as always, said, yes, yes, we, as the Shadow Minister for Home Affairs, I agree with this as well. In fact, Morrison should have proposed it sooner. And it's just so disappointing to hear that. It's from the nominally left party. It's, it's, it's disgusting. And they're quickly good guys. My good guy of the week is someone who's, I saw in a movie last night, but I watched a movie, Helen and I on Friday nights trying to watch a Netflix movie while we forget about the week. And, uh, and I watched a magnificent movie with Russell Crowe in it called A Beautiful Mind, which is about the American mathematician Nash who got schizophrenia and how he fought his way out of that with, with his wife's help with, with Magnus and went on to win the Nobel Prize because he was a great, you know, mathematician. And it convinced me that mental illness can be conquered. And I hope that the new government, uh, 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 the new, which I think is going to put that mental health to the fore, not as a crisis for Australia, but to say all those people who've got it have got a chance to have a new life if only we create a society in which they can have a new life. And I was quite inspired by Russell Crowe last night. And I think you're right. That's the role for government to create the society in which that can happen. And my good guy for the week, we've endorsed him on this show, is Independent Senator Rex Patrick, who's currently in the South Australian uh, Administrative Tribunal, um, fighting against the federal government who refused to release certain secret documents about the time that our federal government um, bugged the East Timor government on behalf of petrol companies. So petrol companies in Australia could manipulate the East Timor government into getting better, um, into like more beneficial petrol contracting deals. That's disgusting. That's sick. That's a breach of pretty much every international law there is. Um, it's gross. And we'll, our, our government admits they did it. And instead of prosecuting the people who spied on the East Timorese government on behalf of petrol companies, our government has been prosecuting the whistleblowers. Um, so uh, all the best to Rex in getting re-elected and uh, continuing his fight in um, the freedom. Well, I, I hope he does too. Now, you say next week being election day, you'll be out handing out how to vote a card as a, as a good citizen. I'll be doing all sorts of campaigning in whatever way I can for independence and whatever. And so I think we might, you and I fix this off air, but just to tell our listeners, by Sunday night, I think we might find a time to have a yeah. little chat and pontificate on what happened on Saturday. So our listeners will hear us a day late this week. You and I will sort out the time, but we've done well this morning, James, and, and bye for now. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone, and enjoy your election night. Ciao for now.